Hello, and welcome back to So You Think You Can Fanon. Last time on So You Think You Can Fanon, we talked about stuff. I don't know what happened last time. I'm kind of on a different time clock. It's uh, been 84 years. It has been. It's been a very long time, but I'm here with the hooligans minus Jake, because Jake is too busy moshing to Weezer. So, yes. Wel- welcome Sergio, Matt, and Kai to the experience of a lifetime. Hell yeah. Glad what kind of lifetime? Here. Well, you know, before you guys came onto the podcast, we had a we had a different little thing that we did. We were planning to do it at the end of every month on a Friday. Uh, and we called it Fanon Fridays because, you know, it's part of the brand. And for those of you who don't know what Fanon is, Fanon is fan canon. Like, you know, they, they combined the two together. And, you know, yeah. Sergio had the brilliant idea. Why don't we do a new Fanon Friday? And we were looking it over. We were thinking about it. And we're like, well, I, I have I have ideas of what we you know what we could do. We could do the common writer fan and wiki. We could you know maybe we could return to Dragon Ball XZ, but no. You see, a while back we heard tale of a legendary Wikipedia place. What we are very vaguely familiar with, but we were told about it and we wanted to include it in WTF is this the weird world of the internet, but we couldn't access the like the website because it was temporarily down during that time. So finally we're coming back to actually talk about it. So I need to ask you guys, what's your opinion mm-hmm. on idea guys? The idea guys? Yeah, you know, people that like come up with ideas but don't actually have the capabilities oh, to execute them. Like they, they'll, they'll ask other people to do it for them, maybe for free. That's me. I'm the idea guy. I hate them. Wow. Okay. I mean, I mean, you should love yourself, but I mean, you can hate that part of yourself. That's fair. <laughs> so, what if I told you that there is an entire, let's say, think tank of fictional properties out there in the world that are all under a registered sort of enterprise air quotes? How would you feel about that? Basically, Idea Guys, the studio. Terror. Media conglomerates. Well, sheer gut wrenching, unending terror. Well, I'm glad that you are terrified of that because we're going to be talking about the Dozer Fleet Wikipedia, an entire like wiki page dedicated to this think tank of a studio. Now, you might be wondering, you know, like, okay, well, obviously this is an idea guy thing. You know, what do we do? How, like, how does this work? They have an entire, like, set of fictional properties. Like, what, like what's going on? Well, let me tell you all about it. So Dozer Fleet Productions is an independent, privately owned entertainment think tank and data warehouse founded in October of 1994, but received its name in 2006. It has several outlets for entertainment purposes, including a DeviantArt outlet. And it ultimately wants to be an alternative Christian conservative friendly multimedia organization. While it does address content of a dark nature, it places some emphasis on worldview analysis for works before they are approved. Now, obviously, between you and me, not a big fan of the combination of conservative and alternative. It's because you love conservative so much, right? 
No, I actually am. Uh, I'm not in that sort of uh, area. I think it's just really weird that there's the words alternative and conservative in the in the same sentence. AKA the alt right. <laughs> Did they come up See, with that name or that description recently, or is that from the '90s? Don't know. This this is uh this is just part of the Wikipedia that's, page all about. Dozer that's a really good point, actually. <laughs> Because that could yeah, mean I, very different things in the 90s than it would today. Mm-hmm. I also want to point out that I didn't get that feeling from reading this. Because this seems like, from what I, I, I gathered from like the Dozer Fleet wiki, this is stuff that in the 80s and 90s your parents would have taken away from you and told was witchcraft. Well, Damn. maybe it's so alternative it's... in the 90s then? Yeah, well, the last... I'm I'm looking at the bottom. The last time this page was edited was 2021. Hmm. So it's still stuck. So I think if, yeah, I, th- I think we'll go with for for the safety and for my sort of uh, appreciation of whatever the hell Dozer Fleet is. Uh, we'll we'll go with the fact that it's basically like Dozer Fleet is the equivalent of Nirvana to rock at that time. Versus also, I'm like, just gonna. If you guys didn't get that vibe from their Wikipedia, from the articles you chose, you will from mine. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm okay with this. So, um, Dozer Fleet does have an Instagram page. Uh, it also has a Facebook page, uh, but it was discontinued in protest of election and co-fung exum scam exposure topics being censored. Hmm. Uh, don't know enough about mm, that to, uh, okay. to, to speak on it. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a think tank. I like to call it the Idea Guys Studio, where it's all about this guy pitching ideas in hopes that somebody will maybe fund it or it'll get off the ground, so to say. And they got a lot of like different branches. They have literature. They got comics. Uh, they got you know movies, music. Like Dozer Fleet Records and Dozer Fleet Studios, respectively. You know, uh, they yeah, also, yeah, they also apparently have a uh, from their comics are given plugs on the Marvel Avengers Alliance fanfic universe wiki. Hmm. So there, there is a there is a fanon of Dozer Fleet characters in the Marvel fanfic universe. Interesting. They know. They do okay. know. They do. Now, you might also be wondering, you know, this whole Dozer Fleet thing. You know, that's a really weird name, right? Like, Universal, you kind of get the idea of why they named it, right? 20th Century Fox, you kind of get the idea why they named it. Disney, you know, it's based off of Walt Disney. Oh, dude. It's the guy's name. The guy, the founder of Dozer Fleet, uh, David, I am not going to butcher the last name, so we'll just call him David S. Uh, David S. uh, is not Dozer Fleet. You know, it doesn't really register as Dozer Fleet. So you might be wondering, how did Dozer Fleet get its name? Well, thankfully, we have that in a short story written by the founder in 2009 called The Ride of the Three Bulldozers. So... The basic plot of this, 
Uh, this was all from a daydream in 2006, and it takes place in the world of the three bulldozers in a fleet. They're the inspiration behind the name and its stylized D symbol. So the plot of this story is that it's in a in a south in a Slavic village somewhere. There was once peace, but a group of outsiders that did not share the locals' beliefs in a republic seized control and tried to turn the town into a socialist state. Many of the locals went along with the uh, revolution, at least at first. But there was an outspoken critic, a local bird store owner, Ivan Willinsky. And he was quickly ran out of town. But he managed to find an old underground bunker with various instructions left behind from the previous tenant for his successor to take note of. And this literature that he found, he took it to heart. And he utilized what he found in this bunker to better himself. He learned how to hunt. He learned how to shoot to defend himself. And of course, the regime that seized control became obsessed with finding and killing Ivan Walensky. So he had learned to utilize the forest not far from town as his ally in an effort to make himself as much of a nuisance to those who would attack his forest as possible. He established a set of spy cameras in the forest somehow that had he had acquired and set up surveillance around his former town. This man is the equivalent of that ex who just won't let go, you know? So yeah, that sounds, sounds like that, it. Yeah, so we learned that the regime was becoming more and more oppressive and things were turning ugly, you know? It's it's turning, it, it, it's, it's Slavic, so it's turning into, you know, the USSR. And he doesn't like that, of course. So he begins to fume with anger and he starts networking with other outcasts to form a revolution of his own to take back the town. And in time, a group of rebels got behind Ivan, and they seized constru- uh, they seized a construction vehicle warehouse and began turning the vehicles into improvised tanks. A march on the ravaged town occurring one evening in front of everything else of the rebel force entering town were three bulldozers. The dozer fleet not only cleared a path by ridding debris from blocking the revolution, but it also became a symbol of defiance against the regime. And after a night of blazing fires and war, the regime was overthrown. And the town folk never saw Ivan again. But set up a statue immortalizing the three bulldozers that became Ivan's symbol for righting wrongs in the world. And Ivan himself is the mascot of Dozer Fleet. Like, obviously, you named the studio after, like, one of the, one of the most crowning jewels of, like, the beginning of his career. So he named it after parts of the story. So Mickey Mouse, Chuck E. Cheese, Bugs Bunny, get out of the way. It's time for Ivan to be a core member of the mascots. So what what do you think? What do you think of the ride of the three bulldozers? <laughs> this is fucking insane. Oh, well, it gets better. It gets better. It gets it gets way better. So the story, the development behind it. So the story of the revolution first began shortly after Dozer Fleet founder grew frustrated with Easy Board and with the Lansing Community College. Considering transferring Damn. to Ferris State, he also began to feel that the old uh, Cormoran Entertainment brand name had been outgrown for the brand's purpose. And the bird all it, and all it symbolized had come to lose its meaning. So a push began to replace that symbol with something else. And he remembered back in 1998 that a classmate, or then classmate, Kenny McCollard, called him a bulldozer for the way he skated. So the idea occurred to put that new identity, which seemed more appropriate for what the Enterprise had become, to good use. 
So this entire time, he had basically replaced the bird with bulldozers because his friend called him a bulldozer. That's so based. It is based. <laughs> it's incredibly based. So That's like what Nick would do. My, my favorite part is uh, three bulldozers arrived the fall like arrived the following evening, surrounded on all sides by fire. They quickly swept away all the remains. Revolutionaries popped out and fought a bloody battle to avenge the bird. But with the bird gone, the three bulldozers themselves became the new symbol. And May of 2006 saw the main station for Cormorant Entertainment finally log out of that username for the last time. And in its place, Dozer Fleet Productions was officially the new brand name that took its place. The happy, cheery music that went with Cormorant's brand back in the day was speedily replaced with the Batman Begins soundtrack. The song Melosis, I think is how you pronounce it, in particular, provided uh, proved inspirational on in how the new brand name's design philosophy would be framed. This man goes hard. This really does. I, I, I highly respect it. So that's the story behind Dozer Fleet. And the reason why it's named that way and everything else. I, I just want to say... Because I, I had forgotten that the guy who, who brought this up to us said that this guy lived in Michigan. So I just see Lansing Community College and take psychic damage. Because <laughs> I almost never expect to see anything regarding Michigan in my, it's like, a big state, though. internet dealings. Um, it's a big state. So, bold, like, I'm just, like, the fact that this was a dream, was, you know... Slavic villages, bulldozer overthrowing a, a nebulous regime, like it's one so idea. Funny. Like, like I'd I'd say it's a fever dream, but it's but it is. It is this is this is one man's fever dream come to life. And you know what? We do the same thing. So I, I have to give I'm him a you know a thumbs up. Yeah, he's he's honestly a legend. Like I was like going in like, oh, this is gonna be cringe or whatever. No, I give him a respect. I, I changed my mind. He is a legend. Certified hood classic. Certified hood oh. classic. Also, I want to point out, just like the Chris Chan wiki, uh, the, the, there is what is called the Lansing Community College Project Archive on uh, the, the wiki, uh, where he kept all of his assignments um, from the spring of oh, 2005, wow. all 2005 and has them all uh, written down. That's awesome. Mm, I, I highly... Look, the moment that... like. Any, I, I'm big into archiving my old work. I really like that sort of thing because I can look back and go, ah, oh, this is where I started from. So more more credit where credit is due. He, he has earned my respect and then some. One day I will learn how to pronounce his last name, though, because I don't want to butcher it now. Butcher it. Is it just stifle? I don't know, dude. I, I, I don't really know language. Or stifle? Maybe it's definitely like Germanic. Let's see. It seems like that would be about it. Maybe Stiefel sounds like steeple comes okay. from German and it means boot. Gotcha. <laughs> well, that, that is just a very apt boot. That is a very apt last name for a man who's kicking out all the corruption in the world. I respect Kicking him. all this ass. I respect him. He kicks so much ass. Give this guy some money. 
He's the one idea guy I don't hate. I respect him. Outside of you, Kai, you you always get my trust. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Now all I need to do is just create like a giant wiki page with yeah, all yeah, my yeah. ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> someone will bite eventually. Yeah, someday. we we need skeever fleet. Don't Censor dox me with my <laughs> fake last name. Censor that out, Sergio. Censor it out with Among Us, Among okay, Us, gotta, ball sack. We got to timestamp it. Like 1650? 16, I'd say 16 around there. Okay. You gotta dox me right if you're gonna dox me. <laughs> you're right. Uh, Kai lives in... <laughs> Hell. Kai lives in Alaska. Yeah, he, he lives next to that UFO. I do. That they shot yeah, right, down out right of the sky. It literally tore through like all of his property... And it caused so much problems. I uh, live in know, Atlantis. Speaking of which, Kai, uh, what, you know, what, what did you find? Um, so I found a uh, short story written in the year 2000. So the year of our births, except for Matt. Wait, can I yes. dox us like that? I, I have Is my age loud? listed on my... Um, scp wiki page so yeah you can go ahead i have my age listed in my bio on twitter.com you're good also i don't have my age listed anywhere so eat shit (laughs) i um damn do you mind if i I tell a story about my own doxing um uh this is a funny story it's a funny story since since we're Um, on the tangent go ahead okay so um so i started talking to this person in the um uh, dank memes from site 19 discord server the discord server for the scp meme subreddit um and the the, the funny the, the the also ironic thing is that i believe that they are from germany and for those listening at home germany is the, the country that watches so you think you can fan in like sec- second most above like the united states obviously four percent of our viewership comes from germany for i don't know how you guys find found us but thank you thank you for watching uh you guys have been watching a lot so you know, thumbs up for that. Uh, but I share them the podcast and I give them the cryptid episode because they're really into cryptids. And we get to talking like we're DMing each other and they go. Um, so I, I, they were like, what time is it for you? Because I I, I, I I figure you're in the US and I go, oh, it's 421 because that's what time it was when we were talking. And they go, well, yeah, I said 421. I live in Michigan. I'm on Eastern Standard Time. And they go. See, from the podcast, I already knew you were from Michigan, but I don't know if it was okay for me to reveal that to you. And I was like, this is a parasocial <laughs> What a parasocial relationship you got going on there. It's like, Damn. I already know it, but I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be polite and pretend that I don't have a parasocial relationship with you. <laughs> That's really funny. I love it. That's really, really funny. I mean, fair enough. Like, is it is it proper etiquette to reveal publicly available information that is like somewhat doxing, but you got it from somewhere public? I don't know. It's only a problem if like because doxing is sharing uh, personal information without the consent of the other. Well, what if we don't consent to hearing it back to us? 
What then? Well, 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 see, the thing is, is like your your brain doesn't immediately catch where they could have gotten the information, because like, I mean, I'm pretty sure we said in that episode like we're from Michigan, but like, 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 like we've said it a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah but like, like if somebody we say said, which like, cons uh, we go to. Yeah, yes. it's it's like if somebody came up to us at a con and was like, um, Sergio, how's your job at Barnes Noble going? I'd be like, how do you know? But then I'd be like, I've said on the podcast that I've said, like, like, it's weird to hear because your brain doesn't automatically just go like, oh, yeah, that's I true. About that in that episode. I guess we're also just not used to like people watching our content and knowing who we are. So like if we do happen to blow up one day, it's going to be real fucking weird. For people to no, just it's be gonna like, be yeah. fucking bizarre. You're gonna lose so many job offers. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Oh, you're the Fanon guy. You read porn once," and I'll be like, "Yeah, dude, it was funny as hell." And they'll be like, "Ah, sorry, man, I can't do that." Well, that's like, not Why? a job you want then, because they can't have fun. They can't get loose. I'm just gonna have my name in the credits. You know how many people sit and watch the credits? <laughs> Nobody. It reminds me of when we last went to Yomacon and we sat down for the. Uh um the con stories panel and everybody was like oh hey michael what's up because like most of them had come to the the previous panel so so it was just like oh it's you guys again yeah it's like we were we were literally in the same room before so i was just like what's (laughs) up and they're like hey guys and i was like yeah yeah it's nice when i like see familiar faces at cons and i'm just like yeah what's up dude like i don't register people like calling me names because usually if i give out my name to people it's my like online handles so i'm more used to that than i am to like any other like callings i go by so for like other cases it's just like ah hey what's up guy and they're like oh hey what's up uh (laughs) i'm like uh do i I fucking know you sorry (laughs) have we met before have we like have we communed have we sat down and had hibachi together well, anyways, let's get back to the wiki itself yes. that we were reading. A oh, short yeah. story, Kybert. We are, yes. We're here reading things. Yes, so short story written in the year 2000. Based on a nightmare that the Dozer Fleet founder's brother Jay had in 1996. And this is Camp Jellybean. By the way, J as in the letter J. Not J as, as in the letter J, yes. Yes. yes had that clarify so here's the background the junior and senior classes in the 2000 2001 school year as run by i'm not gonna dox this teacher lady's name like i'm hoping it's fake but i'm, yeah, I'm not gonna say it anymore. here i'll, I'll set up some planet miss miss I was just say mrs b mrs b i usually default to miss mcgillicuddy that's what my grandpa used that's cool but it's mrs b because i can't say that word um, as run by Mrs. B, we're told to write a mystery slash horror story. The only rule was don't make the violence gratuitous, which I think is awful. That's fair, make honestly. It, make I think it as great. gratuitous as possible. It's a great plan, honestly. Uh, However, okay. the class didn't entirely know what that meant. So she said, don't have stuff happen without a reason. Don't have someone open a door and find someone else with an axe through their head. Throw in shade towards hey. all the classic horror movies. You know what? I will fight. I will fight on that regard. I think that that is actually a really good way to hook people in. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. It's That's why they do it. 
Uh, still not understanding it, much of the class went to work anyway. Most came up with haunted mansion type stories. However, the Dozer Fleet founder decided to make one based on his brother's nightmare. So the st- the first story features the Dozer Fleet founder's junior class at SML. Saturday like- Might Live. Yeah, Saturday Morning Live. Saturday Morning <laughs> Live. And the senior class above him all going on a field trip that has the city of Wyoming. Chugwater, Wyoming, as one of its first stops. As the bus nears the intersection of Burlingame and Maple Lawn, a tank comes out of nowhere to ambush it. The Dozer Fleet founder and perhaps one other survive or are left at the scene. Sergeant Jellybean and Private Poppy Seed reveal themselves before taking the other students away to Camp Jellybean. Here, Sergeant Jellybean of some unknown militant faction, tortures and murders the students in ways that are increasingly bizarre or downright absurd. They are only allowed to eat one black jelly bean each per day as their new diet while (laughs) in a prison cell. (laughs) They are told that anything else will interfere with the tests. So you get like five milligrams of sugar and that's it. You yep. get that like Russian soldier diet right there. <laughs> Just like eating one jelly bean. That really is the Russian soldier diet. <laughs> As Kenny, some random fucking guy, Kenny. Yeah, he's going to die. Is being hauled away. Anna, another random person, screams in terror. She's immediately shot several times as punishment for showing concern for Kenny's fate. When Sarah protests Anna's senseless murder, Sergeant Jellybean threatens to make Sarah the next test subject to be hauled away. Sergeant Jellybean's men are ordered to clean up Anna's remains. After a full night of torture, Kenny returns to the cell as a mutated freak dressed in Dracula clothing and barring a black tongue, having two-tone red and green hair and elephantine skin. He obsesses over finding Anna. What a weird description of the appearance. This is intensely detailed. Yes. I mean, it is after a dream. Like, I, I, I definitely feel the dream-like, surreal kind of atmosphere. No, I do too. Kind of Just atmosphere. random shit happening. After oh, Sarah favorite. returns, she tells the class that she feels completely fine. She immediately bursts into flames until nothing is left of her. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you look lit, fam. <laughs> I'm okay. No, for my <laughs> <laughs> a fraction of my power. <laughs> She's this got is the only power, a fraction right. of my anxiety. <laughs> Same. Same. Damn. The next one's even funnier. Jessie McCage literally flushes herself down the toilet after she is experimented <laughs> on. Mood. Sometimes when I'm at work, that's just what I want to do after a hard day at work. Just flush myself down the toilet. Just go away. get rid of my self-consciousness. Daniel turns into a firework and launches himself. That's Jamie, what, I guess that's what Katy Perry meant. Oh yeah, baby, you're a firework. <laughs> Daniel, you're a firework. Jamie turns into eight part fish, part iguana, and melts into a puddle. No. Also same. Josh turns into a bunny with duck wings and flies away, telling everyone he must find Antarctica. 
he is immediately shot out of the sky by five <laughs> poppy seed and falls into the lake. Anti-air gun of me. Anti-air gun allowed. We got a runner. <laughs> Antarctica isn't real. You can't let him know. <laughs> Quentin turns into a human popsicle and then melts away. Kara is turned into a vampire and she begins attacking and killing the remaining survivors. However, turns out that Sergeant Jellybean himself escaped. So here's the reception from the class. They considered Camp Jellybean the most over-the-top of all stories submitted for the assignment. He understood the assignment. He did. (laughs) Still, many of them enjoyed the clever ways in which they were killed off. Mrs. B's response to say was, Oh, that wasn't gratuitous at all. I think I'm a little disturbed by that one. Yeah, I, f- I feel that. I feel that yes. pretty hard. Yes. Uh, there was enough positive feedback to inspire production of a sequel, which was not well received. Yeah, that checks out. Damn. Uh, competing works. Other student submissions also bore interesting plot points, including Daniel having the faculty beheaded and Josh describing someone with an axe through their head just as mrs b asked the class not to do i respect that (laughs) i respect this next line even harder however none could match the uniqueness of camp jelly camp jelly see good old daniel stiefel he he knows his worth with these ideas yeah dan boot he knows and now here's the sequels camp jelly bean 2 picks up a short time after the original story. The freshmen and sophomores got to be tortured this time, as the juniors and seniors were all killed off in the previous story. The story opens with a retcon, my favorite beginning, explaining in detail that Sergeant Jellybean didn't die. Wait, no, it said that he escaped. We've got an even Uh, weirder retcon. We retcon something that didn't need to be retconned. Yeah. (laughs) Oops. Well, um, Kara only thought she killed him. In reality, she killed Private Poppy Seed's clones. Not even Private Poppy Seed, but just the clones. Hannah McCollar is the first to die after the teacher, being frozen and shattered to pieces. Wait, should I not be reading last names? I forgot yeah, that I was censoring. They're fictional yeah, characters. They're fictional who cares? Characters. Who cares? It's, uh, this, this is literally on a, on a Wikipedia page. It's on a page. public page, so... I guess, like, if they really... If the audience is reading along with us, they'll read it. the same thing. We're probably going to put the link to this in the in the Twitter. So I don't, I don't think true. it matters if you read it. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I won't read this next one because I don't know how to pronounce it. So uh, <laughs> Jordan gets fed to a giant fish named Humphrey. There we go, Humphrey! Helps. Billy... <laughs> Griner gets turned into a spider, which is then stepped on by the other students who don't realize it's Billy. Steve was turned into a greenish blob in order to eliminate anything labeled as purple elephant. Casey gets turned into a bomb, one which begins its countdown when Elena complains that the situation stinks. Anne-Marie plots a way to save the group, but Steve misinterprets the instructions and eats her. (laughs) in order to save the group casey calls himself a purple elephant thereby sacrificing himself as he is eaten by steve and they both die 
Elena gets sucked into a vortex and vanishes, leaving Garrett the only survivor. As he flees Camp Jellybean, he finds a way onto the Greyhound bus. However, he becomes distressed when the lady he sits next to on the bus begins eating black jelly beans. The story was not as well received as his predecessor, especially since it was not part of a class assignment. I just imagine him like the the teacher, Mrs. B, is like, okay, now I'd like you to write an essay <clears throat> about uh, agriculture in America, and he just writes Camp Jellybean too. <laughs> It is about agriculture in America. I don't know what you're talking about. And and she's just like, yeah, uh, you didn't understand the assignment this time. Or you last really time. You really didn't this time. <laughs> you really, really didn't this time. Um, okay. The, that there was little buildup, or I always forget how Denouement. to pronounce this word. Denouement. Yes. I usually say something stupid like denouement. Denouement. Denement. Yeah. Denement. Something stupid. But um yeah, didn't have that. And then Anne Marie in particular took offense to how her death was portrayed. What? Look, she, she just got eaten. That's it. Yeah. It's not that if, bad. If you're gonna write a story about people getting killed that is not part of a class assignment, probably explains a lot. Probably. I guess so. Camp Jellybean 3 was written in 2001. Receiving very little audience, it was written as a bonus feature for an issue of Dolphin Formia. Interesting. What is this? What is Dolphin Formia? Dolphin the bi-weekly newsletter was sent by the Dozer Fruit Family. What? Hmm. It was sent to a former romantic interest. Mm, and she she had she had uh serious mental health issues and took her took her own life oh jeez, oh, damn that's sad that is really sad well rest in peace rest Emily. in peace Emily. yes um the short story had emily and her class getting captured with emily being the only survivor she managed to defeat sergeant jellybean once and for all Unlike the other two, no trace remains of a copy of this story. And then there's also a remake. There have been considerations for a remake of this story's premise, but with an all-original and all-fictional cast. Research is required before pursuit. Ooh. I don't know. Is there is there enough interest for uh, Camp Jellybean? It's pretty saw? interesting. They need a Camp Jellybean cinematic universe. I I will I will pitch this if, if we can make if Camp Jellybean could be like a uh what is it like a, a gore comedy I forget what they call it like it's, it's just a, a, a black horror, comedy I guess it, like it, I wouldn't dark count comedy. as dark I wouldn't call it dark comedy but it's like it's what Cocaine Bear wanted to be all right <clears throat> horror comedy basically I mean that's yeah yeah consult the Google I hear typing. No, no one's going to consult the Google. Okay. I'm not consulting nope. Google right now. All right. Okay, well, that was interesting. Yes. Shall I go next? next? All right. Um, I cheated. I didn't pick one. I picked three. You asshole. You picked oh. three? What They're do you all mean the same thing. Here? They're all the same thing. What? Is it Camp Jelly Bean It's too? all shrimp. It's all shrimp. Sh- shrimp. Shrimp. All shrimp down. Shrimp on a treadmill calculator. 
shrimp on a treadmill calculator. Explain <clears throat> to us what this is. The shrimp on a treadmill government waste calculator is a program based on a sorting algorithm developed by Dozer Fleet Labs designed to help measure the ludicrousness of government spending on any one particular project involving allocation of taxpayer funds. It is named oh after the gosh. infamous shrimp running on a treadmill video that was shot at Pacific University of Oregon, which sparked controversy about how Congress was spending its money in completely frivolous projects. The video clip in question has even featured was even featured on John Stossel's The Money Hole. While not entirely scientific, the program does provide guidelines for understanding the wisdom or lack thereof of government spending on any one project or another. Its initial incarnation targets U.S. federal spending projects. The modifications of the algorithm for local and international governments are in consideration. In 2016, the algorithm was modified into an HTML CSS application that utilizes JavaScript to execute the algorithm, with a phone app being considered. This Give me is that real. app. This is real. This is real? This is real. You can use it. That third link I sent... That's the shrimp calculator, but don't worry, we're not we're not getting there quite yet. We're gonna talk a little bit a little bit more about uh, about how you're supposed to use it. In okay. keeping with the algorithm developed in 2011, the calculator breaks spending into predefined brackets. The category slash tier system is based on the reasons given for spending on a particular project. To operate it, you first find a project in the news that you're curious about, select the appropriate spending reason category, check the box based on private sector goods by domestic companies either increasing, decreasing, or being unaffected. If the private sector receives no benefit or is hurt, or if only specific companies benefit but not the country at large, i.e. cronyism, then the box remains unchecked. Enter in the amount of money that the news source states is being spent. If an undercover investigation reveals a different number, enter that number. Hit the calculate button. The calculator will give a percentage of wastefulness assessment as well as a moral evaluation of how wasteful the project is. Write down the results for as many variations of output as you can muster from spending projections provided by as many sources as possible. This allows for range, median, mode, and mean scores to be reported. Huge discrepancies may imply fraud or embezzlement has incurred. So, would you like to hear about those tiers of spending? Would you yeah. like to know about the algorithm behind the shrimp on treadmill calculator? Yeah, let us let us know what he considers to be good and bad spending. All right, so the basic formula is P2 is equal to C times P1 divided by 165 times 100. Or in other words, okay. there's stuff happening, and we'll talk about what stuff is happening. <clears throat> and at the end, they multiply it by 100 to get a percent of some kind. There are two sliding scales to determine the SOT, shrimp on a treadmill, rating of a government spending project, which is not to be cons uh, confused with snakes on a train. Very oh. important. Not to be confused with snakes on a train, which, so for, for reference, is a real, a real direct-to-video horror film. <clears throat> I don't doubt it. There are, so the two sliding scales are one vileness and two cost vileness defines how morally wrong or unnecessary the allocation of taxpayer dollars is there are super tier groups for the 11 categories that define this sliding scale it begins with perfectly understandable the first two groups then there's irritating but somewhat forgivable the next two three and four then there's immoral five six and seven then finally no, not finally. Then abominable, eight and nine, and finally diabolical, ten and eleven. The cost is just how much money that you put into it, and that's broken down into several different brackets. Would you like to? Would you like to hear about the the first dimension of vileness? How many levels of vileness there are? Yes. All right. 
So we begin with uh, the most understandable of them all, which is survival of the country. This is military spending. This is the needs of paralyzed war veterans, this is protection of critical infrastructure and utilities across the nation. Then there are the basics, which is tending to homeless, the sick, the elderly needs, protecting basic services such as 911 dispatch, police, fire, rescue, social security, retirement, etc. So those are all perfectly understandable. That's the most understandable that you can have on this scale. Yes. N- Next is overregulation, which are arbitrary laws and mandates, economically counterproductive bureaucratic policies, overcriminalization, and bureaucratic redundancy, which consists of excessive committees and redundant services all doing the same job as one another, having three bureaus for the same job on a federal level, four more on a state level, and 15 more on a city level. That's uh, what constitutes the irritating but somewhat forgivable, because of course somebody has to do those stupid jobs, even if you have way, way, way too many people doing them. Then you have the immoral branches, which I'm just going to summarize as vanity, gratuitous legacy building enshrined to themselves and the government. Then there's witch burning, which is misappropriation to uh, a fund to target specific people for personal destruction. Then there is the fabled shrimp on a treadmill at number seven, the allocation of funds to research what common sense should have either made obvious or what a private study could have absolutely done on its own for much less money. The abominable consists of vote baiting and foolish radicalism. And here's here's where we'll get into the to the the Christian fundamentalism conservative stuff because what they define as uh, foolish radicalism, for better for better or for worse, regardless of the opinions, it's clear what their thoughts are when they define it as globalism, energy eco hoaxes, blame America first, socialized medicine, gratuitous, uncompensated war reconstruction, child sacrifice, abortion, the sexual revolution, etc. Which that sounds like it could be its own Wikipedia page on its own, honestly. That sounds fascinating. Would you like to hear the final two? The diabolical, the evil, the, the satanic. Cronyism. Oh, okay, so so the first one of cronyism, I'll just my hand out. I see that he has subsidizing alien invasion via welfare abuse. And first I was talking about aliens don't exist, and I was like, oh, I know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> you, were like, you were like oh my god the martians <laughs> the martians are Boss. coming here and, the, and they're taking our food stamps <laughs> <laughs> they're coming to pound cowboy butts <laughs> the, 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 the plutonians are gonna steal my my ebt card <laughs> oh no oh no they're throwing the ass back squidward wait no they're coming they're coming for something oh, even they're worse. They're coming for something oh. even worse than our welfare and our and our food stamps. You know what they're coming oh, for? No! Not Sean! No! Yeah, Sean. Yeah, Sean. No, Sean. We can't yeah, let the Sean. aliens get, get you. You're gonna get oh. abducted. <laughs> we gotta get him his tinfoil hat so they can't read his mind waves and steal his Medicaid. So I, I, I do want to jump in and quickly say uh, yes. I okay. did look at the calculator a little bit, and foolish oh, yeah. radicalism is no longer called that in the calculator. Yeah, what do they call it? What's it called? Radical left wing causes. Oh, damn. damn. Uh. Hey, uh, Sir, uh, Sergio. Yeah. 
I'm also looking on the right-hand side of the calculator to another thing that is under the Dozer Fleet blog spot. SCP Foundation pack for Sims 4 available. available. It shows a green woman. <laughs> uh, it's SCP-811. Oh, yeah, SCP is that 8-1? Is that 8-11 or 8-1-4? Yeah, it's 8-11. Yeah, Sorry, I, I, I just no want to... The white, the white I just wanted to clarify that because I thought it was a little quirky. No, that's really funny. They have so many Sims mods on this Wikipedia page. It really scares me sometimes. But, yeah, uh, a lot of this stuff was made in Sims, I've, no I've noticed. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, cronyism and unjustified handouts, we... And then there's treason, which is borrowing money without consent of the governed from one enemy nation to prop the economy of another enemy nation for free. Forever putting one nation in debt to another while, fall while failing to help the third for any real meaningful long-term solution to its problems. Which, yeah, I guess we've done that a few times. Maybe more than a couple. The, the thing maybe, I find maybe funny, though, is the examples on what he thinks of Obamacare. Uh, example to yeah. Obamacare. Tier 9 plus 0.75 times bracket 15 equals 89%, almost three times the amount of unjustifiably <laughs> justifiability required by the scale to be deemed wasteful in the first place. That's like having three times the legal limit of alcohol in one's blood when caught driving drunk. <laughs> and then he says, giving money to Egypt while under the rule of the Muslim Brotherhood ranks at 78%. The same goes for giving money to Libya. That's, that's over two and a half times the minimum requirement. Damn. It says that the highest possible score is 107% if 0.75 is added to tier 11. That's really funny. Why would you need to add points? Oh, oh, oh wait. Uh, he explained Because that. that's how his calculator If there's works. no benefit yeah. of the private sector goods being produced by the program, add 0.75 to the category store before multiplying by 100. Yes, it's very, it's very mathematical, don't you know? It's very, very rigorous, very scientific, don't you know? Anyways, let's go ahead and run the calculator at least once just to see what we can get out of this. What do we, what do we want to choose here? Do we want to choose a, you know, let's do foreign oh. handouts. Let's do the crazy Wait, shit. Hold on. Hold hold on. on. Be Before we do that, mm -hmm. I, I do want to, um, I guess, j take a jab at the, the sh shrimp on a treadmill premise. Yeah. Because um, I actually never heard of this study before this, but um. I, I I actually looked it up because I was curious. Mm -hmm. um, even though it is a little bit silly that, um, you know, there, it, it's a shrimp on a treadmill. I wrote, yes, I read about what actually was going on with this. Um, and it, it wasn't $3 million. This is actually false. Um, the research was only about 35000 um, most of it was going towards paying the people who were working there. Uh, mm -hmm. and they only ended up making about four bucks an hour, apparently, which that kind of sucks. But so um, why the was treadmill the itself, treadmill? the treadmill itself that they built for the shrimp, I got to say it was only 50 bucks. They cobbled it together. Um, and then the shrimp was on a treadmill so that, um, they could see if there was any like stress going on in this particular population of shrimp um, to see if they were like sick or something, which, you know, sounds a little bit silly until that you remember that the this particular species that they were looking at, um, most of them are raised in captivity. So they're basically like shrimp farms for people. 
and apparently two million tons of them had been farmed every single year over the past decade. So this is actually like sort of an ingenious method for uh, figuring out if you have a batch of shrimp who are sick because they don't do as well on the treadmill if they're sick. And so you can figure out if your like entire crop of shrimp is basically sick so that, you know, A, you're not selling people shrimp that have been sick. Or B, if you start to notice some sickness within some of your members, you can cull them before it gets to be too much of a massive waste of money for you as like the shrimp farmer. I also see that yes. uh, another reason was to test how far the shrimp would actually travel for food. That too. Mm-hmm. I am, so I am it's looking actually into important. <laughs> yes, I am looking into myself as well. Uh, I'm trying to find out where the $3 million statistic comes from, but the point that I was going to make before we dove into the later part is just because that the people who actually did stuff that were useful got paid very little doesn't mean that the taxpayers didn't pay exorbitant amounts of money for it. See welfare. The amount of money that I think gets spent on welfare is something like twice what actually gets out to the people who are on welfare. It's something like that. I can't remember what the statistics are. I will say the I don't know where the three million is coming from either. They just said like people thought it was somewhere up to three million. Um, and it says the original research project cost about twenty five. I mean, two hundred and fifty thousand. But it was spread over several decades. And the stuff that was going on in this particular shrimp project was only, as I said, thirty five thousand. Mm hmm. Which is not that much as far as like a research project goes. It looks like people were saying that it spent that much. I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious. I'll have to research that later. But anyways, let's do a quick experiment with the calculator and then we'll get on to Sergio's thing. Uh, we gotta we gotta do some something something crazy. We wanna do some silly science, some vote baiting. Let's do some silly science. Alright, let's do some silly science. Uh let's let's make up a silly science project. Sergio, Kai, think of one. Um, you're really putting me on the spot here. Think um, of something you've giving, researched and then something giving useless Giving LSD to tuberculosis. Okay. Uh, how okay. much? How much money do you think we can pay people to do this? How much money do you think we can ask the government for it? Um, I'm thinking to give half LSD to tuberculosis. Yeah, half, half a mil. Half a mil. Half a mil. All right, five hundred thousand. There we go. All right. Uh, does this boost the private sector? I'm going to go with no. No. Okay. Uh, Maybe. Twenty three percent, somewhat wasteful. And then if we if we add in boosting the private sector, twenty percent, somewhat wasteful. This is acceptable. This is a reasonable thing this to is, spend money on. This is an acceptable project. Now see, let's see. I'm imagining like 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 when you give the the tuberculosis microbes the the lsd like their pseudopods like just move up and down like they were pumping their fists like they're, they're getting <laughs> crunk <laughs> okay well here's the thing guys i want to do some silly science too okay go ahead yeah. now you guys needed half a mil for lsd and tuberculosis yes yes mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. i want to launch a rocket into space with a guy in it who is not only has tuberculosis, but also is on LSD. Okay. That's going to cost some money. That's going to cost yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of money. I'm going to wager, let's add on two zeros to that. 15 oh, million. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, and it does not boost private sectors because we are just sending a guy into space who is on LSD and has tuberculosis. You know what? Let's say that he He is the uh, private sector. He is the private sector. Let's say let's say he's a he's a foreign government, so it's a foreign (laughs) (laughs) foreign handout. He's he's like the leader uh, of a micro nation. Let's say yeah. it's Putin. Let's say it's Putin that we're sending up there. <laughs> That's a micronation, yeah. You know what? That's going to yes. cost at least five hundred mil. To, no, at least five, at least fifty billion dollars to send Putin into yeah. space. Fifty right. billion dollars. All right, all right. Let's let's yes. see. He he is boosting the private sector though because he bought a lot of. I'll say he, right, I'll right. say he bought a lot of Dr Pepper or something. Uh, it's sponsored by Dr Five percent impeachable. <laughs> Damn. I'm glad that we now know that <laughs> shooting, shooting Putin into space while he's on LSD and has tuberculosis is going to be impeachable. It's an impeachable offense. A is, shrimp from a heaven yeah. running on a treadmill will come down to yeah. kill you if you do but this. The launch is sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Let's boost course. sales. We're boosting the sales. But anyways, yeah, just, that's all I have just for the... they do the countdown, they just, like, turn to the camera and go, and this launch was sponsored by Dr. Pepper, and this little rocket just goes... <laughs> like, they don't even finish the countdown. They have to, they have to do the ad <laughs> They have to go, go, go. Yeah, instead of saying that. Houston, we have a problem, they go, uh, Coco, we have a cola. <laughs> were, you, were you just waiting on that one? Were you sitting on that one? No, I was not. Okay. It's about Lots as cold as the anything in the freezer ouch damn well anyways that's the shrimp on a treadmill calculator i thought that was hilarious while i was reading it it's pretty good but it's interesting how it touches on a lot of serious stuff in the least applicable most ridiculous way possible oh absolutely well anyways really really speaks to the the core message that they said oh yeah it really does because nothing says scientific and mathematical like basic <laughs> a scale off of un, un, like two qu- basic un- dimensions determined opinion. from completely Numbers. arbitrary data points. <laughs> also basing it off of, you know, su- subjective morality. We love well, subjective. Well, it's values. um it's it's Obviously, you can categorize things. It's the severity of the categories that's the subjectivity. Like putting yes. uh, basic needs as more important and more understandable than, uh, than foreign handouts. You know, what if, what, 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 if, what if we should just let, uh, let everything die and we'll, we'll help like, name a third world country, you know? Let's, let's just do that. Yeah, because it's, anyway. it's like... It's like it's like like yeah I I get you're not supposed you, know, you should you shouldn't help evil governments but if evil government of small third world countries like hey America we'll pay you five million dollars if you give us corn so we can feel feel our people I feel like going yeah corn take take some fucking we have way too much fucking corn I mean Matt Matt knows about how like we have to pay farmers we not burn. To, we burn the corn in this country because we yeah we have be- so yeah, much yeah, waste. Yeah, give us that five million dollars. Here's your fucking corn. Feed your people. Hmm. No, the problem is usually, um, you get paid five million dollars. Approximately a hundred thousand of that five million dollars goes into public research and funding, and then the other four point nine million goes into the pockets of the politicians who are talking to the foreign government 
And then instead of getting 10,000 crates of corn, they'll get like 10. Yes. It, That's where like the problem is going. Of an earth, as Jake would say. If he it's here. horrible. But anyways, aside from hot political takes, Sergio, I believe you are the coup de grace of today. Yes. Yes. So I want to talk about a fan fiction that exists in the Dozer Fleet wiki. Uh, that oh is called boy. Vulcanier meets the Power Rangers. So, so to read read about this in 2017 to promote the Lionsgate Power Rangers film coming out at that time and to promote the revamping of the fandom official wiki, the fandom's official wiki for Mighty Mosh and Emo Rangers, which we'll talk about in a second. The semi-canonical Vulcanier meets the Power Rangers was created, mostly using Sims Four with a tiny handful of screenshots from Sims Three. So Vulcanier Meets the Power Rangers is a fan fiction crossover between obviously um, uh, Mighty Morphin, uh, the 2017 uh, Saban's Power Rangers movie, um, the smug slash savage Wendy meme, Lazy Town, and a few uh, Dozer Fleet properties, uh, which include the Camelorum Adventures, um, which is a, a cartoon show. Uh, similar to Animaniac Super Jail and similar shows on Adult Swim uh, that uh, the Dozer Fleet came up with. The Famer Village Peacekeepers, uh, which is about like a little superhero team. And then Vulcanier, who is a major character in what is called the Eccentriaverse, which is one of the many universes within Dozer Fleet comics. He's basically a uh, um, like a an alien prince who was turned into a toy for 400 years and then was resurrected to be part of his own, like, toku team. Um, this is a deep cut, because it reminds me a lot of a show called The Mystic Knights of Tirnanog, which no one here has probably ever heard of, and everyone listening probably has never heard of. But what the, the Mystic Knights of The Mystic Knights of Tirnanog was a tokusatsu series done by Saban. No Japanese counterpart, fully American, it took place in like a medieval setting and they would transform into these powerful warriors and only lasted for about a season because it was super expensive to film. And by super expensive, I mean probably moderately expensive, but Saban wasn't, wasn't willing to pay for that. Because if, if you know anything about Haim Saban and Power Rangers, he liked to be cheap. But the yeah. thing that I, I mostly want to talk about was something called the Mighty Moshin Emo Rangers, uh, which is a real thing uh, that aired on MTV UK. Uh, it is a parody of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, obviously, and pokes fun at emo stereotypes, which I, I can't believe this is a real thing. Um, I'd like to read you about some of the characters that occur in the emo rangers. There's Ross. He's the introspective white emo ranger. He loves tight jeans in his hair, and he's constantly having deep inner thoughts about his own mind and the world around him. He also likes writing on himself with a permanent marker. Then we have Luke, who is the Chaos Mohawk Red Emo Ranger, which kind of goes hard. Luke hates the government, capitalism, and even his own mother. And he has amazing leg strength. Then we have Steph, the Bleeding Heart Pink Emo Ranger. Steph was dumped in front of her whole school. She was left heartbroken, so she uses her power to break the hearts of the bad guys. And she loves taking pictures of herself for MySpace and Facebook accounts. Then we have John, the original Chronic Stoner Green Emo Ranger. He was able to use his weed smoke blasts to deal powerful blows to his enemies. However, his body begins to reject his preferred drugs, forcing him in Season 2 to change his ways. He then becomes the Straight Edge Blue Emo Ranger, and even gets a samurai mode suit to his new suit which i'm assuming is supposed to um 
represent uh, them needing to switch Tommy out for, from the green to the white ranger, except here he's the blue ranger. Then we have uh, Vicky Godby, uh, which is her maiden name. Or no, that's her her uh, uh, her marriage name. For, uh, maiden name was Symes as Vicken, the Weeping Tears Yellow Emo Ranger. She's a poet, and she cries her enemies away with a weeping tear attack. And we have the Fashion Core Purple Ranger, uh, trendy kid dating Luke. Uh, she comes along to save the day when the Rangers are in trouble and destroys enemies by giving them a makeover. Uh, this is a not yeah, this is the sixth Ranger, slightly different costume, different Zord. And then we have a new Chronic Stone Stoner Ranger, Mary Jane Greenfield. And you're probably wondering who do the uh, who do the, the the emo Rangers fight? Well, they fight the evil Empress. Uh, a goth-themed space alien villain who lands on the moon and immediately decides to unleash her monsters on Chelmsford, England. Yeah, that's kind of fair, honestly. Instead of Zordon, we have Captain Emo Head, who's a floating emo head. Uh, he's sassy. He gives them their powers and tells them when missions are afoot and is always enthusiastic about what he's doing. There's also Emo 5, which is just Alpha 5. Um, they got like the Emo Megazord and the Mega Emo Fight Bot. Uh, instead of Bulk and Skull, they got Burp and Scott. And then uh, the most direct parody, Lieutenant Stone Age, uh, a, a caveman who is a cop, who is a uh, counterpart to the Mighty Morphin character, Lieutenant Stone. And I believe this, I is, think this is so an funny. Animated, I th- yeah, this is an th- I don't know what kind of animated. This looks like it's a 3D animated series, but this is so 2006. Santa, the main antagonist of the Christmas special. <laughs> oh, fucking course. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Oh, like, I, like who made? Like, who is this for? Like, I'm looking at this and I'm oh, like, MTV. The emos. MTV. I know it was for MTV, but it's like, who would watch this? Like, <laughs> the people who watch MTV. <laughs> who are those people? I mean, it looks you like someone, it was a know. fan film that got picked up by MTV UK. They're like in uh, their 30s now. That's scary. The people who probably wanted to watch this. That's scary. I know. They're going to be they making decisions for this country soon. They probably are married and with children. They're going to be making decisions for this country soon. Yes. We're going to see them on a shrimp be. on a treadmill calculator. Hopefully not. Oh, <laughs> uh, I should probably read the inspiration for this because it also sounds like it was from the Dozer Fleet Wiki. The, the creators have given two versions for how the idea of the show came about. One story suggests in November 2004, Chris, the show's creator, was upset due to a breakup with his girlfriend. His friend Nick told him to quit being emo, you emo ranger, to which Chris replied with, you mighty Martian emo rangers. Another version comes from an emo with Chris. I was sitting at my computer chatting to a friend, Pat. Pat sent me a picture of him dressed as a ninja leaping across the recording studio, and I said, you look like an emo ranger. I sat there for a few minutes and thought, that sounds kind of sounds funny. And then I heard in my head the term Mighty Martian Emo Ranger. The more about the name, the more I was convinced there should be a show called Mighty Martian Emo Rangers. But there wasn't, which is annoying, because I wanted to watch it. However, the story came about using a Sony HDR HC1 camcorder, Chris and Nick, who worked as professional video editors, decided to film a low-budget Power Rangers parody based on the idea. Oh, oh god, it was live action. Damn. Oh! That's horrifying. 
the worst kind of, of 3D this? animation. Are there clips of yeah, this can, somewhere? You can find it on YouTube. I literally looked up on YouTube to see well, if Well, apparently was real. it, was, it was. Uh, released originally on YouTube, so makes sense. Yeah. No, That's the scary. quality of it is not ideal, but... Come on, it's like 2006. Oh, God. They did their best. Yeah. I'm looking best. at it. It it looks like a yeah. It definitely looks like a low budget freaking fan film. The the Zord the the Zords are bad CG, but yeah, it's live action. Oh yes. It checks out. And all of the characters look as as stereotypical as you probably imagine them in your head. Yeah. Thank God. I imagine so. I love that. Well, that's so big. Dozer Fleet, huh? Yep. I can't the hate Dozer Fleet. This was oh, very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Other than his uh, questionable political beliefs, I-, I have to give him props for creating all this stuff. Like, sure, it's like fun to goof on him for making like his own like, like, th- like hours like 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 lore upon lore of like fake action like because other stuff like exists it's all like fake made up like media that that it kind of has the veneer of actually existing and kind of plays itself off as like it's real but like sure fine what what whatever like he's just doing his own thing yeah i mean it's it's yeah. fandom at its core and it's not like he's really hurting anyone i think it's great to have all that creative energy put out into a way where you know, you can build upon it and stuff. And, like, honestly, I, I respect the fact that he was willing to do that in the first place. Yeah. I respect the grind. I can respect the grift. It's not a grift. It's just the grind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to all of those idea guys out there, I don't love you. I'm sorry. Damn. You're what about Dan guy. Boot? Yeah, what about Dan Boot? Who's totally watching this right now because we're famous. I'm not going to say I love him. He's a, he's an idea guy. Damn. Wow. Crazy. Unbelievable. Shameful. I'm, I'm, Crazy. I'm not in a very uh, loving the audience mood right now, sadly. Damn. Damn. I can say, though, well, I appreciate I them. them. I also I love, love the them. audience today. 